Welcome to Mama's Roots Are Showing podcast, where we recognize that we get one motherhood. If you'd rather not wing it, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nicolette. I love to interview people who know more than I do about certain things and then share what I've learned with you to help you, Mama, feel empowered, joyful, and intentional. So if finding yourself in motherhood sounds better than losing yourself in motherhood, I invite you to join me as we explore the nooks and crannies of motherhood. In today's episode, I'm joined by my very dear friend, Megan. Megan is the owner of Coming Home Wellness, which you can find at cominghomewellness.com. She is a yoga instructor, a health and wellness coach, where she helps women live their best lives. Today, we are talking about mom anxiety. We are going to speak to our own personal experiences with mom anxiety and shed some light on a topic that can be riddled with shame and isolation. We're going to be open books and we're going to talk about our own anxiety and how we've dealt with it. Okay, so my dear friend Megan is here with me today, and we're going to be talking about mom anxiety. And Megan, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do. Thanks, Nicolette. I am Megan. I am a homeschool mama like you of two awesome babies, um, 10 and 8 years old, and I am the owner of Coming Home Wellness, and that is a wellness area for women um, where we have yoga and we have health coaching, and we also do a whole other section with meditation as well. And I help moms with hormonal issues and also with anxiety, which can also be part of the hormonal issues. And then I also help moms with period issues. So a little bit of everywhere, which sometimes our period issues are caused by our um, anxiety issues. So that's a little bit about me. There's a future episode in there, isn't there? Like with all of that, right? There is. Yeah. Coming Home Wellness is just a women's wellness center. And so it just helps women wherever they are. And I really just love loving on mamas. And so finding where those sections come in. Well, you're amazing. You know, you and I have talked about anxiety in a group setting with other moms, and we've talked about it one-on-one too. And I think we both kind of agree that it's universal. There's a spectrum there. Certainly, there's some anxiety that's just born out of motherhood, but it's not some badge to be worn. And I think that hopefully today we'll be able to share our stories and talk a little bit about how we've experienced it and shed some light on some things that I know both have worked for both you and I. And I do want to take a moment to make a little disclaimer here. So Megan and I are not doctors. We are not therapists. We are not psychiatrists. We are not psychologists. Um, We're two mamas that are living the mom life and We have both experienced anxiety and we've talked about it in depth with each other and we're going to be doing that today. And it's just something that I think people need to talk about more. And so I invited Megan to come talk about her experience today. And so hopefully anybody that's listening can pull little nuggets of wisdom from this. So, And and at the very least to feel seen and heard and know that you're not alone because it can be a lonely place. Definitely can be a lonely place. It felt very lonely when I was going through it. So it's 
just know that you're seen, that you're valuable, valuable and worthy. Well, if you want to tell us a little bit about your journey with anxiety, you know, did you have it when growing up or was it something that came out later in life? What, what has your journey with anxiety been? So my journey with anxiety um, started when I was younger. I had a little bit of it and I really hold my anxiety in my gut, which a lot of us do because of the brain gut connection. And when I was younger, we didn't know as much about that. It wasn't as popular as it is now and it wasn't as talked about as it is now. And so I used to get extreme stomach aches and it would happen when I was about 10 and it really caused some major issues for me being so young and having horrible stomach aches every day. And then it kind of phased out. And then when, after I had my daughter, um, mama anxiety happened and that's a whole different ball game than what I experienced when I was younger. So that started after my daughter was born and she was three weeks old and I had to take her to the hospital for a medical condition and they said the words that changed my life and in the end actually did trigger my anxiety again, which was, if we do not operate on your daughter right now, she will not make it through the night. And so those words, they stopped everything for me. And at the moment for the first year, I just shoved everything in and kept shoving and shoving because I needed to help my baby heal. And as mamas, we do that. We just keep piling it in and putting it down and I'll deal with my own problems later because my baby needs me. And so I was just on helping Lorelai survive and get to her healing point. After we got through that, I remember her first birthday was the first time I cried when they told me if they don't make it, she won't make it through the night. I didn't cry again. (sighs) until her first birthday and not crying for that long. I was definitely holding everything in and my anxiety was growing and I had a crippling anxiety that something was going to happen to her, um, that either some way she was going to be taken away from me. I can look back at my past and my childhood now that I'm through this and see where it came from but it was something I was ashamed of. I would hide my anxiety from my husband. Um, My anxiety has turned into a, um, I wouldn't call it just different actions that I would take to make sure that we were safe. Um, So I was just always worried about her and worried that I was going to mess up. Um, And so that was one part of the anxiety. And that took therapy, which we've talked about many times, Nicolette. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, love therapy. (laughs) We'll talk about that. And so also yoga and meditation. Um, Because after I had my son, my stomach attacks came back because I was holding in too much and I wasn't releasing. Then so for that, about nine months, I couldn't eat anything but oatmeal, pears, and apples. And I was cripplingly sick after I had my son and I couldn't figure out why because I ate so healthy and I felt like I was doing everything that a good mom was supposed to do and a good wife is supposed to do and I was doing hitting all these boxes and then I realized I was letting myself go and I wasn't caring about myself and I was worrying about everyone else's needs um and then 
I started yoga and I found this amazing little studio in my town with the most amazing teacher who just poured love out. And she taught me about meditation and I started meditating and just starting to take some time for myself and going through that journey really allowed that anxiety. I don't feel like you can completely heal, but really live a full life. You know, when you were talking about how you didn't cry, you know, during that year, that made me think about my journey with anxiety too, because with cash, so my son has epilepsy and he was diagnosed um, just a few, a few years ago. I also, when I get news like that, I'm very much the person like, okay, what can we do? You know, I want to take action. So I don't give myself that time to really feel all the emotions. And so when you said that, it really resonated with me. I think that's moms. We're the way yeah. the weight of our family depends on us, and if we don't figure it out, we feel like who's going to? And so I think as moms, we're like, we need to take care of these babies, and we need to heal these babies. What can we do? What's the steps? Okay, I'm doing them. Yeah, and in the end, though, a year <laughs> will pass. And you've internalized all of this for yes. so long that it definitely has an impact. I, After Cash was diagnosed with epilepsy, and he's doing great. You know, He healed very quickly from it. He's doing um, diet therapy, which can't stress what a blessing that's been for him. He's seizure-free on um, diet therapy. Oh, but, so good. But I, I realized he had healed, and just like Lorelai had healed, but we hadn't. Yes. We were still carrying all of that weight. I know I had, you know, intrusive thoughts where something bad's going to happen, or just having to watch him in in ways that I didn't have to watch my oldest son. It does something to you when you've walked that path, when you've had those scary moments, and you've had like those words spoken to you. It changes you. There's no way to go back to who you were prior to receiving information like that or going through something like that. It totally changes you 100%. But eventually you reach a point where you're like, I have to do something. You know, I remember telling my husband, I was like, we were in the kitchen and I was like, I think I need to go to therapy. Yep. I, and I said, I need to go to yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was me. I'm like, I think I I need yoga because I was just hearing how, how healing it could be. And I was like, only author thought yoga as a stretch. And so that was my words. I think I need to start going to yoga. So when you found yoga, so did, had you done yoga a lot before and just hadn't experienced that other side of it? Or how did you come to realize that yoga was going to help you? So I did do yoga, but I did it only in the yoga for runners because I was a runner. So I used running as my therapy for just like leaving it out there. And, um, my quote was always, I need to leave it on the pavement. So um, running wasn't what my body needed anymore. My body needed something else. And um, in those late night research Google searches that we love to do. Oh, I gosh. Came, I know all about those. Yeah. <laughs> right. I came upon how healing yoga can be. And um, it made sense to me because I needed a little movement before I could sit in meditation. I couldn't just sit. I have a lot of energy. So I needed that movement first. And 
I found the studio and I did yoga at home, but I never did it in a studio until then. And once I did that, I was hooked and it takes you inside yourself and it, you have to slowly take off each layer and, um, come home to yourself and come home to your truth and know that those fears aren't who you really are and that you are not your anxiety. You just are Mm -hmm. having an anxiety moment and knowing that that's not who I am really changed things and being able to be in a safe community of like-minded people who wanted nothing but the best for me and support me and a teacher who really cared really helped. And when did you feel that way? Like, did it happen initially, right when you went into the studio where you just kind of welcomed with open arms or where you felt like, yes, this was the right decision? Or did you kind of stick with it for a while and then began to see the changing within yourself? So I did go for the, I did start going for the healing purposes, but I obviously had a wall up. I had a huge wall and I'm like, I'm going to try this, but who knows if it's actually going to work. So I was received with open arms. Uh, Megan is such an amazing teacher and has such a big heart. And I'm so thankful for her. And um, she is the owner of Barefoot Yoga and she's amazing. And so it just was so slow journey, very slow journey. And then I remember it was about a year after I started practicing. She did this yoga flow. And she says, I'm just angry right now. So we're going to work out our anger. And so anger and anxiety can go a lot together. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, this sounds good. Let's do this. And I made it through about half the class. And then I went down into Shavasana and I cried. And I just released and released. And that was my first moment of experiencing the healing power of yoga. And But you have to feel it in order to heal and go through it. We tend to, like you said, put these walls up or um, just continue on with the day-to-day tasks. We don't actually walk through it, like what we're feeling and really just embrace it. Yes. And that is a really healing thing. And yoga just provided that for you. It provided a safe place where I could feel seen and heard. Yeah. And so that's what that day is when I decided I needed to go yoga teacher training. And that is what started my journey. And that was even a deeper journey of unconditioning and taking off the layers of the ego and going deeper and deeper. Ooh, let's talk about that. The (laughs) ego and everything. Because you said something earlier, which it was a real mindset shift for me. And you, you touched on this a little bit when you're like, I'm not my anxiety. Like, I'm not my thoughts. Yes. And that's a really profound idea and concept to really understand. We're not our thoughts. And we think we are. And we're very attached to our thoughts just naturally. Do you read Eckhart Tolle at all? I have. It's been years. He was my, like, entry. Yeah. Well, I remember reading, I think it's the uh, A New Earth, where he's like, you need to be the watcher of your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You need to be the watcher of your thoughts. That's like your higher self. Yes. And you don't need to attach your being to your thoughts because just because we have a thought doesn't make it true. 
But it's not easy because we do have such attachment to our thoughts and we believe these things. Then when you have anxiety and you have this, um, you know, I had intrusive thoughts, bad thoughts about what was going to happen to my son. Could he die while he's sleeping? All these terrible thoughts that we have, right? You go to those places. I don't know if it's like in an effort to, if I've thought about it, then I can control it. And so then (laughs) maybe it won't happen because I've thought about it. I mean, that's a whole complex dissection of it. We have to watch our thoughts. Yes. And sometimes let them just pass through like clouds. They don't hold as much power as I think we really give them. 100% agree with that. They do not hold as much power. And that's a good area where meditation can come in. And a lot of people think meditation is you sit still and you don't have any thoughts. Where meditation (laughs) is, is acknowledging that thought, acknowledging that you are not that thought, and then releasing So it's a great way to go through that if you're looking for something, right? We're doers. We're looking for a way to help get us there. And so that was a good start for me um, was using meditation to realize that I'm not my thoughts. Yeah. And I've always been intimidated by meditation because like yoga, you know, you can do the movement. So it's like something tangible. I'm doing this, right? Like, oh, I'm yes. participating. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, right? Whereas meditation is something that's so personal and focused on you and you can do it anywhere. I always had this belief like, oh, there just has to be a clean slate. That's what the that's what meditation is supposed to look like. So if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing it correctly. <laughs> So I am still really working on meditation and I'm sure most people are, right? It's like an ever evolving thing, but something that you're always working on for someone who is new to meditation, what would you say are some good ways to start specifically for a mom dealing with mom anxiety? So I would definitely, I, I need that movement like in yoga when I started meditating So you don't always have an hour for yoga and then 15 minutes for meditation to sit like, that's just not real. All right. That's just going to make us have more anxiety that we're not doing it right. And it's not going to happen. What you can do is when the world is going crazy around you and your kids are throwing couch cushions and jumping on each other and (laughs) (laughs) you feel like like you're just going to lose it is just close your eyes and focus on your breath. And taking five deep breaths down into your womb space, down into your belly. And that is a perfect, easy way that is doable. It's doable to take five breaths while your child is pulling on you and screaming. And mm-hmm. I've had to do that. <laughs> and it also, it's just a good step one. And then if you can give yourself a little morning time, I'm a true, true believer in morning routine. And if you can give yourself a couple minutes in the morning where your partner can be with the kids. If you have super early wakers, like my son, who sometimes believes that 3.30 a.m. is a good time to start our day. (laughs) (laughs) So if your partner can take your child for five minutes and you can just have that five minutes. And I really like the, um, the app Insight Timer. And I can give you that information, Nicolette. And it has, gosh, hundreds of thousands of free guided meditations. And they have ones for anxiety. 
And it's a oh, excellent. beautiful area. So you can just type in what you want. Um, and then you can do the time that you have. So if you have five minutes, they even have them for two. So just starting really little, not thinking that you need 20 minutes to sit there or two hours. Like I heard some people and I was like, who, how, how? <laughs> do not have two hours. They don't have a 10 and an eight year old then. <laughs> like, no, my kids, you must not be homeschooling them with you all the time. Like, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Let me find my little pockets of time for me. That's, little pockets. Yes. But they can, that can be really transformative. Just like finding those little pockets of time. Those little pockets. And the thing is, is once you start and you have that little practice of daily routine of doing it, you can do it in the grocery aisle line while you're waiting for your groceries. Um, you yes. can do it anywhere. You can do it at the playground where your kids are playing. And in the middle of the day, just any point, you can bring that in those couple breaths and just meditate. I do it in the grocery aisle line because I get overwhelmed grocery shopping. So I'm trying to think of where I read this, but it was somebody talking about how they were a member of a yoga studio. And somebody started doing construction downstairs or something. And they were so upset because it was messing with this. You know, we have a the idea of the yoga studio is just being so zen. It's quiet. It's relaxing. It's yeah. soft. It's gentle. And she told, ended up telling her yoga instructor, I can't continue to do yoga here. And he was very accepting of that. Yeah. And then like a year later, she made the connection that that's actually exactly what I need is to do it in those moments of chaos. Yeah, That's when you need to meditate. You don't need to meditate when everything's perfect. You just get out of the bath and you're feeling completely relaxed. You can, but where it really comes to play is in the midst of chaos, which I read that and I just thought, oh, <laughs> that completely changes things for me. This makes sense. Because makes- I was like her. Yeah. yeah, I was like her. Like, I'm only going to meditate in these, like, quiet with nature in the background. And that's beautiful and that's great. But to actually make it a part of your life and use it as the tool that it can be, you need to get to the point where you can do that, like you said, in the grocery aisle. So, so what, like, how do you do that? Tell me, I'm, I need practical advice here, Megan. Um, this is really breath practice for me um, because a lot of times I go grocery shopping with both my kids, so I can't really just shut out the whole world. I need to pay attention to be a good parent. <laughs> so, um, But also, I should also make the note that my son gets um, very overwhelmed and one of his triggers is grocery shopping. So he, by the time we are in the checkout, he is done and he's had a hard time and he is having, um, he's almost having a little anxiety attack. It's, it's hard to watch for him. Other people will see it as misbehavior. I see, and I know what it is as his mom, that he is overwhelmed and he is, people have talked to him too much and gotten in his face and aren't respecting. And he's just, you know, anxiety is being triggered for him. So what I will do, well, it looks like is I will, if he needs help, I'll get down on his level and we will breathe together. We call it dragon breaths for kids. And so then we take those deep belly breaths and fill up the belly like a balloon and then blow it out. It's a little harder with masks on right now. I'm not going (laughs) to lie about that, but you still can. Um, And so if I 
don't need to help my son work through something for him. For me, it's the same. And I would explain it for a mom is to taking that deep breath down deep into your womb space, deep into that belly, filling your belly like a balloon. And then taking the full, complete exhale to completely empty the breath. And just taking five to 10 of those and just focus inward and let the outside world kind of fall. And just taking that time to bring yourself back to center. And the 10 breaths take a minute and then I can keep moving. And so you use this anywhere, everywhere with any sort of trigger yes. that you might have. Yes. Breath work is and I'm the sure it, one I go to. And it probably helps you recognize your triggers, I would think, too. That's when you tap into step. this, you're like, wow. Yeah, like here's a pattern. <laughs> I'm in a grocery store again and needing to and needing to do breath work, right? Yep. Or when you get cut off in traffic. That's a great time to teach your children breath work and work yourself through it. You know, there's all these great yeah. little opportunities. There's um, a wonderful mudra. And I don't know if this would be, if we can explain it, but you would cup both your hands and you'd have one of your hands below your navel in a cup. And then the other hand would be cupped and above your navel and sitting. And that is actually the mudra to help release anxiety. So sometimes I will okay. even pull this in. Okay. Now explain a little bit what a, I had never even heard of a mudra before, I don't think, until I took a yoga class with you recently. Okay. So can you explain what that is? Because I had no idea. And the power in that is really amazing. So can you just speak on that a little bit? Because I had no idea. I mean, I've taken yoga on and off for years, and okay. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Okay. So mudras are my favorite. I love mudras because there are mudras for everything. And mudras are really powerful and they are a hand gesture that brings your pranayama, your energy, your life force, and your breath to certain areas of your body to help with certain things. So this one's for anxiety. My yoga class that I did last night, I did um, Apana Mudra, which was for releasing releasing any limiting beliefs. So that would be another good one to help with anxiety. But mm. there's just some kind of gesture. And the one I used to explain to people the best is when you're mad at your child or your spouse and you point your finger at them and you're shooting that energy off towards them to show your anger. But we can also use our hand gestures. There's other not so good hand gestures we can think about that kind of portray <laughs> our anger. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but we can use hand gestures to bring about peace and bring about calm. And it's something you can teach your children if they also struggle with anxiety because they see our mama and it's heavy. You really feel it. I mean, I was really surprised by how instantaneous it was like, oh, wow, I... I feel this, you know, and you're right. It makes sense. Yeah. When you're pointing a finger at somebody or you're giving someone the bird, you know, <laughs> there is energy that is present there. So that was really cool. Thank you. Cause I had never heard of that before. How do you spell that? Cause I'm going to have to like, speaking of Google and looking up stuff uh, to the internet, I'm going to look up different mudras. So mudra is M U D 
R A. Okay. The mudra specifically for anxiety is Pala. So P A L A. So you can look that up and find um, the image for it. There are meditations for them. I will be um, recording this meditation eventually and putting it on my Coming Home Wellness website. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, hand gestures and focusing your breath on positive things, kind of going back where we were talking about our thoughts, just shifting your thoughts and your breath to that area can really change things. And the more that we're shifting those thoughts to positive thoughts, which is really, really, gosh, is the hardest thing when you're having an anxiety moment um, right? to be able to come out of it. It's so easy for me to look back and see it. But when I was deep into, um, I don't know if you'd want to call it an attack, but a really a deep, deep moment where I felt like I was drowning. It's hard. So to train your mind when you are out of those moments, it became easier when I was in them. Yeah. And talking about, let's go back to those mindset shifts too. I think um, as we were talking about our thoughts and how we are not our thoughts and changing our mindset, like you just said, you know, to, it is difficult when you're in it to try to change your mindset and to change your thoughts. When you begin to practice that, it does become easier and easier. And I, I think it's really important to have self-compassion during these times and just overall, right? I know that's something that I have to work on because I can look back at something and be like, oh my gosh, you're being so ridiculous. Why did you think that? Or ways that I would never talk to a friend, a sister, you know, I would never tell them that. But when I'm analyzing something in my own life or my own thoughts that I've had, I'll be really judgmental or I'll be very harsh. And I think that something that I've learned through therapy, which we're going to talk about, (laughs) is that we need to exercise more self-compassion and just this this non-judgment of ourselves. It's really important. It is. And I don't know if you experience that at all as well in your journey. Yes. I still, to this day, judge myself and through all the work. Me too. (laughs) Through everything. It still happens and I still lack um, self-compassion. I heard this quote that I loved. um, I think it was on Upworthy. And it was Mm -hmm. that your first thought is what you were conditioned to do. Your second thought is your true self. Those words changed it. I was like, oh, I was able to judge myself less because I would have that first thought and then I judge myself for having that thought, even if I judged it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's a cycle. No, but it's, it's again, coming to that higher place and understanding that you're not your thoughts. Yes. That, and really tapping into that, that, that higher being that we all want to be. Um, in order not to just necessarily arrive, but, you know, to make the world around us better, to make, you know, to be a better mom, to be a better wife, to be a better friend, daughter, sister, all of those things, we need to exercise that self-compassion to get there. And it's hard. I struggle with that too. I mean, that is definitely my default is to, yes, you know, I make a mistake or I have a thought and I'm like, why did you think that? You know, and initially when I was going when I started going to therapy, 
I was judging myself on these thoughts because I was like, you know, I was being told, hey, those are intrusive thoughts. And now I had a label for it, which was great. That helped <laughs> me realize that yourself. I wasn't alone. But now I judged myself. Absolutely. And I was like, oh my gosh, here you go again, having these intrusive thoughts, right? That's a really difficult thing. And I'm working on it as well. So you're not alone. But I think um, we are really hard on ourselves. And we don't realize it. You don't realize how hard you are on yourself. I think that's a mom thing. That's a mom thing. I think it's a total mom thing. And even if you don't have a big moment like you and I did, um, Mm -hmm. mom anxiety is real. And I think I still would have experienced it even if I didn't have the big thing with Lorelai, that we just put all of it on ourselves and not only us putting it on ourselves, but others put it on us as well. And the badge of honor of being busy. And Oh gosh, (laughs) that's ugly. I don't not like that one. No. And that, that causes so much mom anxiety. It does. Yeah. Well, the anxiety one, that's not a badge to wear, nor is being busy. No. Um, and, but we live in the society where we're kind of fed those images over and over and over again, and they're going to take a toll on us. Yes. And I think that ties into the, the perfectionism and trying to be a perfect mom. That might be where yours and my come from of where we're given, this is the diagnosis. These are the steps we're going to take because we want to be this, reach for this perfect mom and we want to fix this. And, Mm. you know, perfect mom might look to somebody else as I'm go to the PTA meetings and I'm a soccer coach and I have Pinterest worthy birthday cakes. Uh, By the way, I make Pinterest fail cakes is what I like to call them, but That's all good. (laughs) But whatever it is, there's so much pressure to not only be a good mom, but then also be the sexy wife and our sexy partner and also be entrepreneur and to do all these things and trying to be everything to everyone. And then to be happy doing it. Oh, yeah. And you have to have a smile when you do it. And wear heels. (laughs) (laughs) And wear heels. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Yes. And so even if you don't have that big moment of something that happened to your child, I think there's other things that are part of mom anxiety and other triggers. Yeah. And right. I mean, just just um, becoming a mom yes. is this huge moment. Another friend of mine, she is a – it's awesome. I just love this idea. She's a matrescence doula. So matrescence, which I had never heard of before talking to her – is the transition that a woman undergoes when they go from woman to mother. It's a lot like adolescence when you become a child to an adult. And there's like this this period in time where you're adjusting and things are confusing and they can be difficult and challenging. They can also be beautiful and very eye-opening and where you really find yourself. So there's good and bad with it. There is an adjustment period and just being a mom, all of a sudden you're handed this baby or yes. this child, you are responsible for this child, for their survival, like literally yes. their survival. <laughs> it's a lot and it's beautiful and it's poetic, but it can also create anxiety. Yeah. And then we have like this comparison thing and we're all guilty of that, like comparing ourselves totally. to other to other moms or even comparing our kids 
to other people's kids. Yeah. I mean, it just breeds these anxious feelings. So like you said, it doesn't have to be where you've spent nights in the hospital or, you know, where your child is struggling with something really challenging, whether that's a medical condition or whatever. There's moms that are anxious just by being a mom. It's a lot. And I think to also note that something that I just recently found out that during matrescence is the biggest neurobiological change in your brain that you will experience as a woman in your whole life. So more than adolescence and more than your menopausal stage. So that time is when your brain, obviously growing up, you know, your brain does that, but that specific like little portion of your life, that is the biggest change for you. So you actually are having brain change. Yes. And everything else that you have to deal with, whether it's work, whether it's other children, maybe you, maybe you have, you know, maybe you have multiple children, whether it's your relationship with your partner, whatever it might be. Yeah. There's a lot. And, you know, you and I have talked about this too. You're talking about matrescence and it just brings this up for me is having a village, having um, a sisterhood, having a group of women, specifically women that you can talk to about these things is crucial. And I know for my mom anxiety, having moms that I can talk to about this, not just women too, but just moms too, that really understand has been so incredibly helpful. Yes. Having that sisterhood and that community and village of moms where you can lay it all out there and not feel judged is so, so powerful. It makes you feel seen and heard. I know I feel seen and heard every time I'm with our little village. <laughs> and I know. It's such a great experience to have. And we live in a in a culture and a time where villages and stuff are on the internet. And that is great. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to be able to have, you know, my Instagram village. But there's something about that in-person sisterhood and those moms that you can just chat while your kids are playing. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I know for me with Cashton's epilepsy, the village, I found Facebook groups that were really wonderful because these are parents who have walked in, you know, the same shoes as I have with Cashton's diagnosis. So I've, you know, made relationships and I have obtained so much valuable information. I mean, incredible amounts of information, but it is not the same. Like that's a very specialized thing. It's not the same as having a friend that you can go talk to and say, I'm just having a really hard time or a friend like you, when I didn't bring lunch for my kids, I'm like, I'm leaving my children with you and I'm going to go run and get food. You know, you need to have those people in your life that you can rely on, that you can talk to with no judgment that holds space for you. And it's hard because we live in a world where you're right. Everything is very much on the internet. It is. And it's hard now with COVID. It's really hard with COVID too. Yeah. Darn COVID. (laughs) I know. but And I know some people are real introverts and it can be really difficult to put themselves out there. When you do put yourself out there and you really foster these relationships and put the effort into them that they deserve, 
They are so beautiful because it doesn't happen for us anymore. You know, this is something that I've talked about on my blog and it's that we used to inherit villages, right? We were born into these villages and it was natural for when our child, when, you know, when we, when we became a mom, we were going through this transition into motherhood that these other moms or our aunts, our, you know, grandmas, whoever it might be in this, in this village setting were right there alongside us to help us. And they were there all the time. We did laundry in the river together. We raised our kids literally next to one another. We were sharing wisdom because we were spending hours upon hours of our days together in this, you know, woman community. And we don't have that anymore. It's not that we inherit a village anymore. So we have to create ours, which is challenging, but we get to create it. So you can pick and choose what kind of a village you're really looking for, which is a benefit. You know, I've talked about that in a blog post. Like there is a benefit to that. There is a benefit. I will say that sometimes it feels like dating all over again, but (laughs) Be like a Tinder for moms, right? like swipe, swipe. <laughs> oh, it totally just feels like are we gonna are we gonna bash? Are we gonna parent this way? Like it's totally. Um, did we just did we just copyright and patent that right now? Perhaps <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yes, it is hard, but there's there are ways to connect, there are and ways. I've. Facebook, you can use it as a tool to connect. Like you can create a group, which is how you and I met. It is how we met, which think everything that's good out there for that. It is a tool, but you have to really be specific with what you want. But it can be um, it can be a challenge, but I think it's totally worth it. And having a sisterhood of people that you can talk to about anxiety, true friends, true people that know you and that love you and care for you and are going to show you that compassion that you might be struggling to show yourself, right? It's really helpful. It's really helpful. So I would definitely suggest, you know, we've talked about some mindset shifts and, you know, not judging ourselves, showing self-compassion, not being a slave to our thoughts and knowing that our thoughts are not us having a sisterhood, talking about yoga and mindfulness. And another, there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Have you journaled? Do you use journaling as a way to help with your anxiety? I use journaling um, a little bit. I love the power of journaling. It's just not something uh, that I have made enough time for. So it's something I bounce back and forth with. I really like to do it after meditation. Uh, to see what comes out. And I encourage a lot of my clients to journal. And it is something I do need to work on more. I know you use it and it does wonders for you. It has. Um, it's helped me work through like reliving some of the moments with Cashton that were challenging or scary, frightening, whatever they might have been. It's hard to like relive it, but the way that I have seen it is that our whole system is like a river and our brain, everything. And when we have these blocks, these logs, so to speak, that are just laid across the river, the river doesn't move well and things start building up on it. And suddenly there's more twigs and, you know, there's all these, all this buildup. And so it has helped me move through things in my life from journaling. And I, you know, I like, I kept a journal or, you know, a diary when I was growing up on and off for years. Right. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. I mean, I had tons of diaries growing up and I would keep them and then, you know, 
very much the same. I'd go in and out of using them, but it was never intentional. And so I have found that journal prompts are really good too. Yes, um, those to make usually me help me more. Really, yes, same. Like I need to have specific things that I might be looking at. And it's good to free write too. But once again, this is something that I do. I will judge sometimes what I'm writing. And you just need to be free. You just need to be free and let it out. And you can burn it afterwards. You can whatever you need to do. But I have found that like new thoughts or new realizations will come to me only when I've only when I'm journaling. Yes. So it's been really powerful for me. So I would suggest so that. Cool. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's been really great. You have to this might sound silly, but you have to have a journal that you really like to open up and it has to be like special to you. It can't be like a spiral notebook. <laughs> I feel like having a really special journal and like maybe even a special pen that you really love to put in your hand and you love the way that it writes. I don't know. I've always loved writing and putting things down on paper. And I think that when you have something that's beautiful, that's yours, it inspires you to do it more. So that would be like just a little tip is go and buy a beautiful journal if you can. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah. And spring for it because it might make the difference because you might not be as inspired to do it in your, (laughs) you know, your your little spiral notebook that has like the torn pages and has your children's doodlings on it. It might not have the same feeling. So the grocery list in there, you know, but like having, I love having tea that specific that's one. all over it. Yeah. Oh yeah. A specific, a specific journal. Yeah. You need to have a specific journal and a, maybe even a pen, but I think that's been really helpful. And it's something that I'm just wielding the power of it recently through therapy. So let's talk therapy. Let's talk therapy. I love therapy. (laughs) So tell Um, me how you came to therapy. Full disclaimer. I looked for a therapist multiple times. And it we've talked about this before, that it felt overwhelming because there were just like so many different options. And then I stopped looking. And you have told me now that that's not, there's so many better options now that you can, um, you have an app or something that you use that helps you locate and find one specifically, which I would have loved when I started looking for one. Um, when I finally found one, I, I don't know, like it just, I went and I went with the mindset of, one, it was costing a lot of money. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to go full into it. And I think it costing money was what really just made me full out. And so I laid it all out there for the first session and I cried during the first session. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, she's like, this is what it will be like. I was like, all right, great. Sign me up. This is wonderful. <laughs> What a release, right? Yep. What do I yeah. see next? So how long have you been going to therapy now? How long has it been for you? It's, it hasn't been that long. It's only been probably two, maybe three years. Um, okay. I really struggled with the how to find one. That was my big, big issue that kept me. Otherwise, I would have gone even sooner. Okay. So... So I never really had anxiety growing up. I don't remember ever having anxiety really growing up. Um, 
and then everything anxiety kind of came born out of Cashton and um, his epilepsy and walking that path with him. So, you know, after he had healed, I hadn't. And I remember just, I don't even know what the thought was. I was like, I need to do something. And so I told my husband in the kitchen, as I mentioned, that I needed therapy. And this was in the middle of the COVID world. And I live in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, where am I going to go? And so I had seen the ad for BetterHelp, which is the app that I started using. I really do love it and recommend it because you can go through the weeding process. You can say like, whether it's if you're looking for someone on spirituality, if you're looking for couples therapy, if it's um, addiction, whatever it might be, um, you can kind of weed through different people's specialty. And I was really lucky because the first person that I went to is my therapist, whom I absolutely adore. And so it worked out really great. Also, what's nice about it is that you can journal and do worksheets like in between sessions. So that was really cool too. Um, I've moved away from the app because financially my insurance didn't cover it. And so now I see her through her own practice. But I do think it was a great way to get started and like tow the waters, so to speak. You jumped right in and I totally understand that. And I think that's great. And I love that. And I think, you know, people need to find their method of of going into it. But both options are great. I just, I can't speak on therapy enough. I I know I've told you this before, but one of my best friends, I was telling him I was going to start therapy. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, you'll go for a little bit and, you know, you're really self-aware. So you'll just go a couple times and then you'll be good and you won't need it anymore. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds exactly right. That's exactly what I'm thinking too, (laughs) right? And now that I've gone, I'm like, why haven't I been doing this my whole life? Yes. Yes. It is incredible. And I should it also is so say helpful. that I jumped right in, I think, because of all the yoga work and self-work that I did before. Mm. So I used yoga first and then I used therapy because a yoga studio was easier to find. And yeah. it was um, – there wasn't as many as options. So it was what I used first. And um, I don't think there's any right or wrong way. I think going – your own personal way. I did that because it's what, as a mom who was feeling overwhelmed, could do at that time, which was go to the yoga studio that was five minutes away. Yeah. Um, and so I think that is why I was able to just release. And I was in a really, really hard spot and something had to be released. So, <laughs> well, and I think if, if someone can get therapy, I, I know it's not, I know it's not available to everybody. But man, oh man, if there's any way that you can carve out time or carve out part of your budget, whatever it takes to go, there's a lot of growth and a lot of self-awareness and and a peace that comes with it. And you might have to go through some stuff to get there, but it's good. It's really good. I love therapy. (laughs) It's so good. I do. Yes, I do too. It's good for my soul. I tell yes. everyone and I go now, to therapy too because I like am tired of the stigma that goes with it. I'm like, yeah, I go to therapy. Oh yeah, I, me too. <laughs> like I love therapy and I go to therapy and Jessica's like my best friend. <laughs> like <laughs> she's not really my best friend, but it's who I just could lay it all out there with. Yes, 
there's and a this safe place. It's so safe. Uh, Brene Brown, she says it best. And she's like, our therapists get our, um, what's she call them? Like our, our first shitty drafts. And it's just Oh, yeah, like, I remember you telling me that. Yes, and I love that. Like, okay, so I can just, like, lay it all out there and not have to be worried about being judged and just say it all. And then I can step back, examine it all with the help and guidance of a professional. And Amazing. Not, yeah, it's, and the beauty of just not being judged ever is – and, yes, I know they're being paid to not judge me, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I am okay with that, too. And I, and I would say that if you – because I've had some people say like they didn't have a good experience with their first therapist yes. and it kind of turned them away from it. I would say you have to try again to really find you do a good therapist. Don't just give up on it because there are good therapists out there. Just like, you know, there's good doctors, bad doctors, good teachers, bad teachers, good mechanics, bad, you know, like the same rings true for therapy too. So I think that you have to get back in there and find one that that fits Yes. That fits for you. We were both very lucky. It's worth it. Finding yeah, somebody on we the first were. one. So Yeah, I go every week um to therapy. And every once in a while, like I'll like I'm skipping next week, but um I really try to make that time and carve that that time out. And you know, my husband knows that okay, you have the kids during this time. This is where take care of mama because it's important. And there is no shame in it. There's absolutely no shame in it. And I, I totally agree with you. We have to get rid of that stigma because it is so helpful. And it doesn't matter. I think for me, I thought that I had to really undergo something pretty major to go to therapy or something. Realizing that I probably would have, I know I would have handled things with Cashton better if I would have been going leading up to that, right? So don't wait for something to happen to make you feel like you're drowning. Go now. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's like what we were talking about earlier with uh, the meditation and the breath work is that, yeah, you might practice in the quiet, but you use that. You are practicing in the quiet and you're going to see the therapist beforehand so that when the chaos does happen, you're prepared and you can walk through that journey a little more at ease. Is it going to be easy? No. Mothering is never easy. But if you have the tools and you can be better prepared and you have that support and that sisterhood therapy and any other tools that really help you, it makes that journey and that part a little easier. It does. And mom anxiety is something that I think is pretty universal, but don't be afraid to talk about it. Be honest with yourself about it. And I hope that this was helpful for listeners because it's just nice to know that you're not alone and to pull little nuggets of wisdom from little places here and there on your journey because you want to enjoy motherhood. You know, we get to do this once. Like that's the whole thing about this podcast and why I've started it is because you don't want to just wing it. You get to do it once. And so it's important that you don't lose yourself in motherhood, that you find yourself in motherhood, taking an honest look at your mom anxiety and with compassion, right? With self-compassion. Yes, with self-compassion. And, and then doing something about it. So this is great. I love all this so much. I love you. Love you you are too. <laughs> an absolute gem and you're a part of my sisterhood and 
I have done yoga with you and you're absolutely amazing. So thank thank you for talking about this and being an open book about something that can be difficult to talk about. Yes. Just getting rid of that shame and, you know, we need to talk about it. We need each other and just having that, like you, we keep saying that sisterhood, you know, to all the moms out there listening, we can be your sisters and we see you and we honor you and we know it's hard and we believe in you. Yeah. Okay. And before we go, tell me a couple of books that you would recommend that are transformative. Oh, man. So I am just starting one. So I'm going to recommend one that I haven't finished yet. We're going to be. Ooh, book club, book club. (laughs) But um, Dr. Shafali, she is an author of multiple parenting books. And she has just recently released her The Radical Awakening. And it is so powerful. And I'm only three chapters in. And it is all about what we've been talking about, about taking off the layers and going deep to your true self. I named my business Coming Home Wellness because I want women to come home to themselves. I want mamas to come home to themselves. Um, So I would highly suggest that one. And then, hmm, I think think that's going to be my top one. Okay. Yeah. She's brilliant. I mean, come uh, on. Dr. Shafali you know is. I'm just going to say all her books. <laughs> all her books. Yeah. She's brilliant. And even just in a very little amount of time, she can provide such wisdom. So everyone should follow her on like Instagram and check her out because she is, she is a brilliant, brilliant woman. She is so brilliant. And she has not only stuff on parenting, but she also has stuff on just being a woman and how to heal. And it's a, she's great for both aspects. And that's one reason I've really fallen in love with her is that she doesn't only focus on parenting, but she focuses on women as a whole. And you are a whole person. Yes. You are not only a mom, but you are this person. And yes, nice to have that. I just want to thank you again for coming on here because I've enjoyed this. I could talk to you all day long, every day about parenting and about motherhood. So thank you so much for coming on. And again, you can find Megan at cominghomewellness.com. I hope that today's episode helped you feel seen and heard. I encourage you to share it with another mom who may need to hear the same message. Also, I would greatly appreciate your support. You can do that by subscribing to my podcast and by leaving a review. This helps other mamas find me. Take care. We're in this together.